Hi, I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. Lindsay Shackelford is on a mission to make a more dog-friendly world for her and those in her community. To do that, she focuses on building relationships, building friendships, and strengthening not just the dog community, but the entire community that surrounds her in all that she does. This was especially important through 2020 and even now moving into 2021. Lindsay discusses how Dogs of Charm City focuses on community before services and how by making the world more friendly for dogs, it's made more friendly for everyone else and how she does that. So let's get started. First, thanks so much, Colin, for having me. Certainly a big fan of Pet Sitter Confessional and, and excited to be here. Um, so a little bit about myself. I'm Lindsay and I'm the owner and founder of Dogs of Charm City. We're a community-driven pet business in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, we started as a dog walking business and it's since grown into so much more. So we sell merchandise, we host large-scale dog-friendly events in, in non-COVID times. And we've built uh, quite the loyal community of followers here in Baltimore, which we're most known for. So I, um, I, I'm not born and raised in Baltimore. I'm actually from Pittsburgh, but I've lived in Baltimore th- for the past six years with my boyfriend and rescue pup, Wilson, who is sitting on my lap. <laughs> oh, hi, Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson says hi. Okay. You might hear him barking and like literally saying hi. Oh. That's the, the, we we love that kind of background noise here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Yeah. So what got you started in pet care? I originally got started dog walking. It was about six years ago, actually, when I when I moved to Baltimore. So I was on the Rover platform, which I know you're familiar with. And um, really, it was it was for exercise and something to do. Um, I was working full time as a food scientist and just kind of had some extra time on my hands afterwards. Um, also new to the area. So, you know, it's just something fun for me more than anything. Um, this was pre Wilson. So I, I wasn't a dog mom yet. I had grown up with dogs, but um, hadn't had Wilson yet. So, anywho, I, I built up the clientele on Rover and I just really became kind of obsessed, if you will, with. Um, with the dog walking process and like honestly opting for walking dogs over like normal social life, happy hours and stuff like that. <laughs> um, like seriously. So just never knew, you know, never in a million years, I guess I, I thought I'd um, get so into dog walking and have such a passion for it. But I think it was equal parts, the dogs, and then also like the client interaction and kind of knowing that I was helping them through this dog walking and, um, and also getting to know them as, as dog owners, um, outside of the, uh, client relationship. So that was, you know, about six years ago. And then it was about three years ago that I went off of the Rover platform and created a brand for myself. Um, I also wanted to build something much bigger than just a dog walking service. So Dogs of Charm City was born. <laughs> I love hearing that, you know, part of the aspect that drew you to it was not just getting to care for all the cute pets and all the dogs, but it was the community aspect. And you, you mentioned that, you know, you were a community driven 
business. And that sounds like it's just, it's so at the core and it started from the very beginning. You're, you're really community focused. As a matter of fact, the first thing that you see on your website when you go there is the phrase, uh, the community you and your dog never knew you needed. But why do you start with community instead of talking about your services? We market ourselves as a community rather than a dog walking service for a few reasons. So first, we truly believe that we have something to offer every dog person in the area, even if it's not our dog walking services. So for example, um, we act as a resource for dog owners through blog posts and having a calendar on our website with different events in the area, um, even if they aren't our own events. We're constantly sharing local dog-friendly things to do, dog-friendly places. We uh, sell merchandise on our site and then also host um, some dog-friendly events. So, uh, you know, like I said before, we're a community-driven business, meaning that our community really has the strongest influence around the services and the products we offer. Um, So we want people to view us as a community rather than a business, if you will. And when they come to our site, we want them to know that and to, to kind of feel welcome, you know, even if they aren't searching for a dog walker, that maybe there's something more for them um, with Dogs of Charm City. And that slight twist of viewing yourself at the, at the center of the hub of pet care, of going, I can provide a lot of information. We can be a good resource. And so whether you need a dog walked or not, you know, we have answers, we have services, we have resources here that can benefit you. Exactly. And, you know, some people may not, they might not be a dog owner, they might not need a dog walking service yet, but they're consuming those things, they're getting to know us. And, you know, perhaps one day, they'll reach out to us, we'll be at the top of their mind, or maybe it's their neighbor who needs someone or or their sister or what have you. Um, So yeah, we're staying fresh at the top of their mind with those things too. Right, right. Always, always providing information and resources. You know, whether they need it right now or not, it's kind of thinking of the, well, you know, if I can help them understand better pet care, dog training or or dog protocols right now, you know, when it comes time for them to get a dog, they'll be will be top of mind. Right. And they'll know about us and what we offer. So in in your mind, what does it mean to build a community? So definitely a two way street. Right. So what you put in, I think, is is really what you get out of, of your community. So, you know, like I, like I mentioned, we're always looking for ways to add value to our community's lives. And what we get in return is, is brand loyalty and happy dog owners, really. So um, in my mind, I think that there's different types of community members. And each of these like member groups, if you will, kind of experience our community a little bit differently. So at its core, I think our, the, our community is really our team. So primarily our dog walking staff. I think that they're really the biggest part of our community. They're giving the highest level of contribution to our community. Um, and arguably probably the most in return with the, the dog interactions every day. <laughs> And, um, and then, you know, there's the evangelists, people who are just like mega fans, typically regular dog walking clients, but not always. We have people, um, we've actually never even met in person who are just huge Instagram fans, like constantly telling friends about their merchandise and interacting on Instagram. Um, and some dog obsessed fans, um, yeah, like I said, don't even have a dog or just, are big fans of us 
um, for a different reason other than our dog walking. Um, and then, you know, these people are really the, the source of new ideas. They're highly engaged. They're talking about us. Um, they're talking to us, giving us ideas, and even contributing content for some of our, our blog posts and helping us with some user-generated content, mm-hmm. which really, I think, is, is a win-win. They're excited to be featured in blog posts, um, maybe giving a tip about a dog-friendly place, for example. And uh, it's a huge win for, for us and our community and, and people reading. Um, so then I think then comes our customers, our dog walking clients, um, or, you know, people buying merchandise who are contributing money to our community to help fund events, um, and keep this community going. And, and then there's the email subscribers and followers and other people contributing, uh, attention and, you know, they're all part of our community, but I, I do think there's kind of different types of community members. Mm. There's wow. There's a, a lot to unpack there uh, as you're breaking this down. And one of the things that you you know you mentioned about community is is giving uh, as re- as well as receiving stuff. But each of these four categories that you broke down, they're each contributing something to your business. Some of it is financial. Some of it is just attention and and additional resources. And it's those you know the evangelists and the email subscribers, as you mentioned of. I think as business owners, sometimes we can forget about them or maybe not view them as, um, you know, as valuable as the people who are actually giving us financial support because, well, you know, I need the money to run my business. But as you mentioned, the evangelists are, they're telling everybody about you and the email subscribers and the followers, they're contributing, they're liking, they're engaging. And then those, the, those team members are just so essential. Like none of it would exist if, if it weren't for them to, if, uh, if they weren't there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so well said. And and that's really what I firmly believe. And um, community, it's huge. It's so important. And um, some of those kind of community members are, are definitely overlooked by business owners. I mean, myself, you know, um, I think I've, I've always tried to think about community in our business as a community in those different um, community member groups. But sometimes I have to sit back and take a step back and just remind myself that I need to be giving to each of these groups, right. In order to really have this flourishing community. Yeah. So talk us through that. How do you give to people who aren't providing financial support or aren't paying for services? What are some things that you do for that? So, I mean, in-person interaction is always wonderful. Uh, Easier said than done right now (laughs) with COVID. It's been difficult. So we're constantly trying to come up with different ways to allow our community to connect, um, both both online and offline. So, for example, we'll make um, make connections. It might be through Instagram or a dog walking client, or just somebody that we know. Maybe they they have a golden doodle, and we know of another golden doodle, and they're both looking for uh, like an afternoon play date in the park, that kind of thing. And we'll get them connected, and like, hey, you should meet Kayla, that kind of thing. Um, we do have a Facebook group for our dogs of charm city dog walking clients. It's specific to our, um, our clients. So, you know, they're all, they have in common, um, you know, us as care providers and because we kind of provided a certain demographic who's also community focused, 
they tend to, you know, talk amongst one another and, um, whether they're sharing tips or like getting together or whatever, um, we have that space for them to interact. Yeah, it's keeping. Remember, it's it's really just thinking about um, ways, as you mentioned, to to involve them, to recognize them as valuable assets to the community that you're trying to build. And you know, one of the first one that you mentioned there was your your team. So so brag to us about your team and tell us about who you've got got on. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we've got an awesome team. There are currently 13 of us on our dog walking team. I've also got an events community manager, and then I contract various individuals for help. Things like you know graphic design, social media, um, some of the admin stuff, and, and other things that come up. Um, I do try to seek help from within my team when I can. So say I need help like with inventory or like blog post writing, things like that. Um, I'll reach out to my team first. So um, yeah, about half of my walkers do this full time. Um, I've got a handful who work part time at a local dog daycare, which has been awesome for many reasons. Um, you know, one, we share quite a few clients. So there's clients going to dog daycare, the girls know them from dog daycare, and then they see them walking, which is great. And, and then they've got great dog handling skills, which is always a plus, um, coming into this. Right. So, um, yeah, that's the bulk of our team. And then we've also got some team members who are actually past dog walking, uh, pet parents. So, you know, maybe their job situation has changed or they're now have like extra availability or like available on the weekends. And, um, those pet parents always tend to be like fantastic walkers because they know how we operate. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that that's, that's kind of interesting, but, um, that's worked out well for Dogs of Charm City for sure. Maybe some people might be a little hesitant to let on a, a, a previous client onto their staff. So did you have to overcome anything like that? Or, or what was that like bringing them on? Gosh, not really. I mean, it's not like there was anything we were hiding or kind of didn't, you know, was behind the scenes as in that pet parent role, right? Versus yeah. like what we were doing at Dogs of Charm City. So um, honestly, the training process tends to be easier with those pet parents just because, like I mentioned, like they know um, kind of what to expect from us and and what we're looking for, like from our side, um, what the pet parents are expecting, I should say. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, truly, it's been um, pretty easy with them. There really haven't been obstacles to overcome with with the pet parents turning into walkers. Yeah, and I, I can imagine that'd be that'd be awesome because they would have great insights into both sides then at that point right. the service that's being provided and see how to make better connections and, and how to do things maybe a little differently to make it better. Absolutely. And also, you know, as we were talking about community and, and starting with our team members, um, I'm I'm so selective in who I choose because of that. So um I'm definitely looking above all a shared vision and helping uh to build our community because their true purpose like really is to to grow and serve our community that's how i see it yeah kind of that that, that core foundation of yeah. to, to to use them and you know as you mentioned like to to lean into their their strengths and, and to build from within and and make sure that every you know everybody feels like they can contribute and as you you know this this theme of being part of an internal community as well right definitely mm-hmm. 
Have you heard about Time to Pet? Chrisanne from Raining Cats and Dogs has this to say. Becoming a Time to Pet client has been a game changer for us. We can give our pet services clients real-time cloud-based information they never imagined they'd be interested in. And most importantly, to me personally, I can better manage my company and look forward to more. And not a small thing, Time to Pet is responsive to my request for new features and modifications to existing ones. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com forward slash confessional. So I know that one of your missions is to build a dog-friendly world. So how are you going about doing that? So we're constantly promoting and advertising local dog-friendly places, really mainly around Baltimore, where we are, um, in hopes that we can bring dogs to these businesses and then in turn, the businesses see value in being dog-friendly. And, um, you know, we'll continue being more dog-friendly or more businesses become dog-friendly. So some businesses have even reached out to us um, asking for help making their space dog friendly because they'll see, you know, another similar business having so much success and maybe seeing us doing a yappy hour there or something like that. And, um, you know, things like that, we're, we're super happy to connect and, and help them. Having other people look at you as a resource. And that's interesting to hear that other businesses are seeing, you know, some businesses are seeing what other businesses are doing and going, hey, uh, we want to offer that. That looks really cool. You know, that that jives with what we're wanting to do. Uh, and then reaching out to you to get some some resources. That's that's really neat to hear. It's cool. And um, with COVID, some of these businesses, you know, the restaurant industry really struggling. Um, I've actually like taken the initiative to reach out to a couple different restaurants to like offer ideas to bring in hmm. dog-friendly clientele. So for example, there's a... Um, there's somebody who makes cocktails and they're doing like to go cocktails. And we came up with the doggy cocktail. It's like mainly beer broth. Um, but it was something really fun that they could do right to a sell something to dogs. And then also, um, just gain attention from, from new people, you know, whether it's from our social media or just maybe dog lovers who haven't come before, but got really excited about that. And, and that brought them to the business. So yeah. things like that. It's fun. Yeah. Now, are those kind of things, again, where, where they're approaching you or are you going out to them and saying, hey, have you thought about doing this or adding this kind of thing to your business? You know, it's a little bit of both. A lot of times it's it's somebody approaching us, but um, I'm definitely, you know, not, um, I don't hold back from just kind of reaching out like, hey, have you thought of this? Or like, we should chat and I'd love to like grab a drink and um, I think that there's an opportunity for X, Y, Z. So, um, yeah, a little bit of both. Well, so talk about that. How do you build those, those close relationships? What does it mean to build a relationship with kind of, uh, with, with other businesses in your area? Authenticity and vulnerability, I think are, are really big, whether you're talking to another pet business or they're a non-pet business. I've just found that businesses, like especially small businesses, really want to work and, and talk to other people who aren't afraid to share failures and people who just aren't too too big for their britches, if you will. <laughs> um, so I'm definitely I'm not afraid to get really real and personal, and I think that that uh, helps build the relationship. 
And, um, you know, again, back to that community thing, being a two-way street, I always see, you know, maybe I'm giving my time and energy to help them with, with new ideas or um, supporting them by sharing, hey, this company, you know, they're doing dog-friendly cocktails. But I always know that it's going to come back in some way, right? right? So we're a cheerleader for them and, and they become a cheerleader for us. So, um, yeah, we've definitely built uh, quite a few relationships with both pet businesses and, and non-pet businesses, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure there are people who are listening going, ah, well, that sounds really nice, but you know, is that for me? Like what, you know, I, I don't feel like I could do that. That's not something that's in my wheelhouse. What, what advice would you give to, to that person? Gosh, I would say, um, you know, just reach out like a, a message, like you're sending to a friend on maybe Instagram. Instagram's often where I connect with their businesses. I'll just reach out and say, Hey, I'm Lindsay. I own Dogs of Charm City. I, I love what you're doing. Um, I'd love to chat and like meet over a cup of coffee and nine times out of 10, they're just as excited as I am. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely don't hold back. Like what's the worst that could happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> they say no, like that's fine or they don't answer, but like whatever. Yeah. yeah it's, it's that knowing like, like it, we, we all understand that community is really important. And so if someone is listening and, and I know it's in my head too, of like, yeah, but who am I to start the community? Who am I to, to bring people together or to talk to other people? Well, if, if not you, who, who, like if it's your, exactly. if, if it's on your mind, it's likely on other people's minds too. And just trying it and, and asking, and you'll, I'm sure you'll be surprised by what kind of uh, reaction you'll get. Absolutely. And, and once you do it a couple times and um, you're getting some of those positive reactions. It's just, it's like second nature. I mean, myself, I have a, I'm, I'm a food scientist by education. Like, you know, I'm certainly a people person, but I in no way have like sales training or, um, you know, anything like that. Like I I'm kind of self taught in the things that I'm doing and, um, you know, just, just don't be afraid to go out there and, um, be yourself and just connect with other people. Yeah. Now, you know, thinking of, of, of dog walkers and pet sitters specifically, what, what do you think about that, that career and those kind of services you uniquely are able to bring other people together? Yeah. So, you know, I think the obvious is that we're, we're so well connected as pet professionals with so many dogs and dog owners in the area. Right. So, um, I think that's, that's the obvious is that we can really facilitate these connections among other owners, you know, looking for play dates or, or what have you. Um, and also, you know, we're, we're kind of seen as family, right. As for many, um, many families, we might be involved in their dog's lives for months or years. And, um, there's this huge like trust that's been established and, um, they definitely see us as kind of like the, the dog professional and the dog people. and um, yeah, so I think that, that, that uniquely, uh, positions us to, to bring people together, particularly dog owners. Yeah, there is that inherent trust that people place in us, in, in you as a dog walker, as a pet sitter, because you do become part of their family. You're either going into their home or you're taking care of, uh, you know, a, a deer, you know, their fur child, basically, right? That you're, you're taking care of a family member of theirs. And so that, that trust is there. And so whether you recognize it or not, like, you do have a community around you. You do have people that look to you already that look to you for advice or want to see what you're doing. 
And so it's just a matter of realizing that and then start doing something with it. So you've mentioned a couple times of before COVID in, in the in the before times, mm-hmm. um, you you ran a lot of different kind of social events and interactions and, and community events like that. Tell us about those. Yeah, we did. And um, definitely miss doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> um, in 2019, we actually did uh, quite a few. We did between like 30 and 40 different pop-ups and ticketed events with the goal of of bringing our community together and just having fun. So it, it really all started um, when I was first walking dogs and it was just me. I would often um, get together with clients on the weekend and like go to the dog park or we'd check out a dog-friendly spot and they'd invite someone else. And um, somebody, it was actually, it was our uh, Galentine's Day event in, I guess it was 2018. So somebody was like, yeah, we should do like a Galentine's um, event and get the dogs together and do like dog wine and, and things like that, fun things, dog donuts. And so that was our very first ticketed dog event. So that one, we just opened up to our dog walking clients. However, um, pretty quickly, we started doing these more public events where anyone is welcome to come um, that has a dog. So yeah, last year around this time, we were planning our Halloween bark crawl. So we had um, like a, a puppuccino bar with spooky toppings. So we had like dried chicken feet and we did um, a costume contest and it it was a really fun time. So um, I I love like the creative process behind coming up with some of these themes and like the things we do at the events and um, the community loves them. So they're just a total win-win. And of course, um, like I mentioned, many of them are ticketed. So, you know, for the obvious, it's supporting like the supplies needed for the event. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a small source of income for the company too. So, um, it's, it's a win-win. And again, being seen in a very public manner, intentionally in a very public Mm -hmm. manner of of, of organizing something. Right. And, and you said you enjoy the creative side for that. Where, where do you start whenever you start thinking of, of a new event or planning one? So sometimes I'll draw inspiration from like human events that I'm seeing, you know, thinking that most human themes, you know, whether it's like a birthday party theme, something that's really trendy and in like, like, for example, this past year, like unicorns were very in and like, I don't know, or even like a human bar crawl. That's a good example. Um, Kind of themes like that, that I can turn into something that's dog friendly so, um, yeah, like the Halloween bar crawl, you know, is, is basically dog-friendly bars and people could um, go to each one. So, yeah, that's one source of inspiration. Um, definitely Instagram and other dog walking companies. Uh, oh, I shouldn't even say just dog walking. Um, pet companies will get on calls and connect and just like bounce off ideas. It might be something that they've done and they're like, hey, Lindsay, you should do this. and. Um, you know, I, I tweak it and change something up to fit kind of like my demographic. And uh, yeah, so that's some of the inspiration. And then, of course, we'll reuse themes um, year by year. Yeah. Yeah. And there and there in this process, you know, you're reaching out to businesses that you maybe already have an existing relationship, or maybe this is a great way to build a new relationship with a business to bring them on board and get them involved in, in this kind of community outreach. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, and that's how we've met quite a few other businesses. So whether it's the venue we're hosting at, or it's somebody who may be supplying something for the event, like a local dog treat company or something for the pet parents, um, you know, around the theme. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely new connections to be made through these events for sure. And I'm sure many of those become a lot of your, um, the evangelists in your community, um, that start, you know, this, not everybody who goes to one of these events is going to immediately need pet sitting services or dog walking service, but they're going to tell other people, Hey, I went to this dogs of term city event that they just hosted. And it was awesome. You know, if you need somebody, go check it out, go check them out. Totally. And, um, especially with those events, everyone's posting pictures and, um, we do like a lot of our new inquiries for dog walking. Someone will say, Hey, we went to your event last year. And like, that's how they found out about us. Or, Hey, we heard about you through so-and-so who was at your uh, pups and puppuccino event, that kind of thing. So, you know, we, we know that this is absolutely a, a big way to spread our brand and create brand awareness. For sure. You know, as you've mentioned a few times, like that not being the central focus of it, the central focus is bringing people together, showing people and building this dog friendly world, um, I guess, one puppuccino at a time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, I love that. We do tend to do, uh, we've done like a series of puppuccino, like pups and puppuccino events is what we call them. And that's actually one of our, it's like a fundraising event. So we'll collaborate with um, a local nonprofit and people will donate like a small cash donation in exchange for a puppuccino. And that's actually something we've been doing usually with Starbucks um, just because I digress, but my, uh, this was probably like last year, my Keurig broke and I had a really bad habit of going to Starbucks every day and um, <laughs> kind of hit it off with, with, with the, uh, the store manager tests. So that's how that relationship developed. So um, yeah, we've done four different uh, pups and puppuccino events there. Oh. So I love that one, one puppuccino at a time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it just shows, goes to show you never know when these kind of relationships are going to build up. And again, you're not going out there thinking, what can I do? You know, how can we build business with you? How can we build business with you? You're just going out being genuine, being open and honest as you've, as you've mentioned of, of you're just investing in people. That's all you're doing. You're, you're just investing in the people around you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. And, and so now that COVID has kind of sh- shaken things up a bit, how are you continuing to build and invest in a community when these kind of events aren't likely to happen for a while? So we've spent quite a bit of time building resources, um, usually via blog post, where we're trying to help our community find dog-friendly things to do. So we just published one last week, actually, about um, like pumpkin patches and dog-friendly places to visit, um, which was a big hit. Those types of blog posts um, always tend to get quite a bit of attention. So um, doing things like that, and also it helps us to stay top of mind when uh, some kind of normalcy um, returns. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's one way. We haven't felt quite comfortable doing anything in person yet, even like socially distanced. We're just not ready. so the events have definitely taken the back burner right now. But, you know, we're promoting, like I said, dog-friendly things to do. Um, we did do, actually take that back, we did do a series of paddleboarding 
group doggy paddle classes with a local um, stand-up paddleboarding company. So that was something cool that we could do with a group um, and able to be socially distanced. But um, yeah, other than that, we're kind of, I'm, I'm brainstorming things that, you know, like, oh, will we be able to do this around Christmas? Cause I'd love to do this, but um, yeah, being patient with the events and just, um, helping the community through other, other non-events, uh, related things. Knowing that they'll, that they'll come back and in the meantime, doing what you can and, and continuing to be that resource and, and point them to information and stay in touch with them that way. You, you've, you also run an online store with local centric and, and local focused item. Did you operate the store from day one or how did that come about? We did not. So the way that all got started, uh, it was, um, when I was dog walking, it was still just me and I made some shirts on, uh, custom ink. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Custom ink.com for some of our regulars. Um, it was like a saying that one of our clients was like, you should put this on a shirt. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And gosh, I think I just gave them to some of our regulars, like more as a gift. I didn't even charge them. And, um, you know, they were fun and and they were like, you should make more. And so eventually I did set up an official store and I did it. It's on an e-commerce platform called Equid. So um, I did that and integrated it with our website. And I just started off with like a couple things, but um, it's certainly grown into um, a, a big part of our business. So, um, yeah, it's something people really, really like. And, and also, you know, a way it's, it's advertising for us again, you know, bringing people back into keeping them on top of mind. And, um, yeah, we, we really enjoy it and the creativity behind the designs and coming up with them and things like that. Yeah. And when I say local, I mean, I had to Google uh, something in one of your shirts that says Ravens and bows and doggos. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that middle one is referring to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And that like really hyper local kind of stuff does really well. All of our most popular pieces are th- like the Charm City Dog Mom sweatshirt. So, Char- you, you know, Charm City, I guess I should have explained. So that's um, Baltimore's nickname. So some people don't even know, you know, when they see somebody in a Charm City Dog Mom sweatshirt, say they were in California or whatever, they they wouldn't know what that meant. Yeah. But um, yeah, so the Charm City Dog Mom and Ravens and Bows and Doggos has been popular. Um, we have a shirt where it's saying like crabs because crabs are so big here in Maryland, crabbing and eating crabs. So um, yeah, lots of local kind of unique sayings that we come up with are, are on the shirts. Yeah. And so uh, I guess we should clarify the Bows is B-O-H-S. It's referring to Bohemian uh, and, and not, not B-O-W-S. <laughs> Yes, that is correct. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, National Bohemian Beer. So it's um kind of I, I like to say like our version of uh it's like Baltimore's Natty Light. That sounds probably like condescending to National Bohemian. Hopefully they don't reach out to me and say, What did you say? Uh, but um yeah, it's it's our uh like natural light beer. So. But you have pride in it, right? And again, you're just Oh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> exactly. So these 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 clothing items, like right, they they're not they don't just say Dogs of Charm City right across the top or anything like that. Like you're really, again, leaning into this local flavor uh, and this vibe so that these kind of things, like they appeal to more than just your existing clients. These appeal to those evangelists that you talk about or people who just find them to be cool, right? It's it's growing this and it's looking outside of people who are 
um, just doing the dog walks and, and doing something for them too. Yeah, that's very good. And uh, it's interesting about 25, closer to 25, it used to be lower, but about 25% of our sales are actually not even um, right here in Baltimore. So we see like pockets in Philly and New Jersey. So mainly the East Coast, um, but even states like California. So it's interesting. And a lot of times I'll reach out and like, hey, how did you find us? And Oftentimes it's a, a family member and they may have gifted something or like saw them at a like a family gathering around a holiday wearing something. Um so it's pretty cool that we've shipped things that say dogs of charm city, um, yeah. you know, on a logo or what have you, on a shirt to to California and all yeah. over. Now is a good time to tell you about our next sponsor, Pet Sitters International. Are you a member of Pet Sitters International? PSI is the largest educational association for professional pet sitters and dog walkers with a mission to promote pet sitting excellence through education. After the tumultuous past year, having the support of a strong community and direct access to educational resources and business tools is more important than ever before as you rebuild your business in 2021. PSI is here to help. With a free monthly member toolkit, monthly bonus resources, online trainings, private member groups, and more, combined with group rates on insurance and background checks, PSI is your one-stop shop for everything you need for your pet sitting or dog walking business. As an educational association, PSI believes that if you know better, you'll do better, and invites you to join thousands of other like-minded professionals who are committed to offering the best possible pet care services and elevating our industry. If that sounds like you, visit PetSit.com to learn more. Our listeners get $15 off their first year of membership by using the promo code PSC15 at checkout. What's it like managing the store? You know, um, we do have most of our stuff we have inventory for, um, which is at my home. So I keep everything upstairs call it Santa's workshop. Uh, that's what my boyfriend, that's what my boyfriend calls it at least. Um, but you know, it's actually some people I know are doing the print on demand right now is really big, which you, you've probably heard a bit about. Um, however, for us, inventory really does make the most sense, especially as we're doing like the in-person stuff, we'll often take the merch to the events and sell it there. Um, also like our profit margin is typically three times higher when we're doing something where we're printing it locally and, and managing the inventory here. Um, and I also, I love knowing that we're supporting a local printer through getting things printed, um, locally, like they're right outside of Baltimore and, um, it's a woman owned like business that we're supporting through doing that. Um, and also just having that extra hand before it goes to the customer, writing the handwritten note, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, you know, some days it is overwhelming, especially as orders come through and I have piles of different shirts and my boyfriend's like, where did this box come from? We got two yesterday, but, um, (laughs) you know, that's, that's how things are working now. And they definitely seem to be working for us. Well, and as you said there, like the way you you want to operate it like is much more personal touch and especially if you're looking for local opportunities it cool businesses to invest back in you know you you kind of have to have them upstairs in Santa's workshop if you want to operate <laughs> that way so that you can build back into the community and be be part of them 
Yeah, that, that's how I feel. Um, we have experimented and we have a couple items in our shop. Um, our hats, actually, you know, embroidered hats that we do the print on demand. So I'm kind of testing the waters there. And, you know, it's fine. Like it, it does take, it takes longer to fulfill. And if they get a sweatshirt and a hat, they're shipping separately. But, you know, we're, we're trying it out and kind of experimenting and seeing what works for us. No, and that's, that's good. That's neat to hear because I know, as you said, many people are suddenly trying to offer online shop options or something mm-hmm. like that to to bring in additional revenue or or to provide that to clients if they're asking for it. So, uh, you know, it's there there are those definitely those two ways of thinking of you're going to either have inventory um or you're going to do more on demand, but you know, you're saying, well, you can do a little bit of both and and see what's going to work out best for you. Yeah, absolutely. Stepping back a little bit and thinking about the market at large, what are you seeing pet parents are looking for these days? So our pet parents are definitely pretty focused on the experience itself. So when I say experience, things like pictures and the videos and kind of the narrative around the walk, what we did on the walk, uh, who we saw, did we run into somebody like that kind of thing. And I think there is a big focus on that even more so than just knowing their dog is, is getting outside and exercising for some of these pet parents, um, especially our demographic. So uh, we definitely are, um, our demographic tends to be in like the twenties to thirties range, um, typically no kids. So, you know, dogs are their children and um, they're everything, but um, not that people with kids, their dogs and they're everything, but um, yeah, you know, young working professionals and most of our dogs have an Instagram account. And I, you know, I really don't know if that's common for like other dog walking companies. And, but I mean, seriously, like I just, I went through and um, cause we update, you know, I keep the handles on our, um, client profile pages so that our walkers can tag them in social media and stuff like that. And um, 72% of them are on Instagram. Like the dog is, has an Instagram account. So, um, yeah. And, and another thing is, is the social aspect, you know, I'd love for my dog to also be walked with so-and-so. And a lot of the time it's, they want to see like the cute pictures of them together and know that their dog hung out with another dog, um, that they're buds with. So Uh, Pet care, I really think is changing. And I think technology and social media have been a huge part of that because, you know, you think about maybe 20 years ago before Instagram and maybe even the text messages, it was just like a handwritten note, your dog, your dog was walked, your dog peed, or maybe not even like, maybe there was no communication. I'm not even sure. But um, communication is, is certainly something that we excel in and we know pet parents come to us um, for a dog walking service specifically because of our communication mm. and uh, yeah, that level of communication. Yeah. I was going to say that the level of communication, cause it's not just that you are saying we went for a walk and they had a fun time. It's you mentioned that word narrative you're giving, you're telling the story behind that walk and and letting them kind of peek behind that experience of their dog so they can see and because you know they they know their dog has a personality they they, it is their everything and so they want to know like how was my dog today tell me their story because the dog the dog can't tell them that story so we we have to do that for them yeah that's great through photo and video and things like 
you know, we're on the way and they want to see their reaction when we got there. And, um, yeah, really the full story and, and when we leave and, and everything. So yeah, that's a big part of it now, Yeah, at least with, with our community, like with our uh, dog walking clients, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. Um, we just had we want our first client that also has an Instagram account. So it's, it's not like that everywhere. Um, and we were okay. like, we, we were like, Whoa, this is cool. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, hey, that's really interesting to know. Like, I don't know if it's something Baltimore specific or, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps seeing other dogs kind of triggers other parents to make dog accounts. I, I don't know what it is or the, the city aspect. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, that'd be interesting to do. So listeners, let us know uh, how many of your clients have Instagram accounts, because I I too would find that interesting to know Uh, that that is very interesting. Okay, we'll start. We'll start this research. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. Um, Thinking about uh, some of your favorite resources, um, what would you recommend other pet care providers be reading, listening to or, or looking into? So my top resource is absolutely other pet care providers, like going directly to them and just having conversations. So yeah, I would say other pet care providers, but I do follow um, some Facebook pages. So I'm part of Pet Sitters International and I find their um, Facebook, it's like, I think it's a private group for like a member only group, but there's oftentimes like really interesting threads or things like questions that are going on in my mind that somebody else is asking and I'll follow the thread and everyone weighs in. So, you know, I'd say some dog walking specific Facebook pages. Um, there's some good ones out there, but definitely other pet care providers, they don't have to be local. Like I constantly talking to somebody in California and also another pet care provider in Florida that we've become um, pretty buddy buddy and have phone calls and things like that and just text each other with questions. So yeah. Yeah. Again, it's it's reaching out because you know they're experiencing similar things. They've experimented with certain things in the past, and, and they they are um, you know they're going to have those those same kind of questions or have maybe done things in the past that you want to know about and and better you know there's really no better way to get that same experience than than talking with another pet care provider. So those are the the resources. But what advice would you give to other pet sitters? I would say to really think about what sets you apart as both an individual and a pet sitter and and try to focus on that and integrate that into your business. So for example, like if I was a very introverted person, I probably would not enjoy hosting events and like that's fine, you know. Um you know, so maybe you might add value through blog posts and more social media posts or something. Um, so that's something big. And I'd also say really learn from your community and don't underestimate the value of what your community can provide to you. So ask for feedback. Don't be afraid to ask questions, um, whether it's your clients or dog owners, just just talk to them like a friend and see what the, what they're looking for and um, what kind of needs they have. And because those kinds of things are constantly evolving. So you can you can really learn so much um, about needs and ways you can tweak your business just from talking to members of your community. You know that that asking questions and looking for feedback sometimes that can be really uh, uncomfortable or scary because you don't know what that other person's going to say. So how do you prepare yourself or how do you 
get ready to receive that kind of feedback from somebody when you ask for it? So I guess it depends. Like if I'm asking somebody perhaps to to leave a review, I may intentionally do it after they've had a really wonderful experience with us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I'll do a text message um, when we get a, a new client. And at the end of their first week, I'll check in, you know, as the owner and, and say, hey, Tiffany, how did week one go? Like, just wanted to make sure that you were absolutely thrilled with our services. Kind of just like leave it at that and let, let them talk. And um, if there were any issues, you know, we sort it out at the beginning and, and go from there. You know, just being okay with some of that feedback, knowing that it's going to better your business and um, create a better experience maybe for the next person, just carrying some of that like quote unquote negative feedback, if, if that's what it is, being okay with it. Yeah, recognizing that there is value in both positive and negative feedback, and we can learn yes. from both of those. Because as you know, as you as you as you said, Lindsay, is we're looking for the next person to make their experience better, and and maybe the same person if they choose to come back, their experience better too. So we're looking one two steps ahead to make sure that the next person has an even better experience than we are currently providing. Yes, well said. Well, Lindsay. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and breaking down the importance of community. And I love those four types of community members and reminding ourselves that everybody that we're involved with has value, has things to give and, and should be valued in our communities. And then, you know, how to run our businesses so that they align with our values and, and lean into the resources around us. If people want to follow along, which they absolutely should. Uh, and get in touch and ask more questions, how best can they do that? Thanks, Colin. Um, yeah, it's been so fun chatting. Um, so Instagram, we're, we're on Instagram. It's at Dogs of Charm City. And then um, if anyone would like to reach out via email, please do. I encourage you to. I'd love to chat. Um, you can reach me at hello at dogsofcharmcity.net. Perfect. And I will have links to those in the show notes for this episode, as well as on our website. So people can click right to those and get in touch and start seeing some adorable pictures of dogs and all the cool stuff that you guys have going on up there. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay, again, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a blast. The idea of building a community around our business can sometimes seem somewhat nebulous as we try and figure out who exactly that is. And I think Lindsay did an amazing job of breaking down each and every component of who makes up our community, not just around us, but those in our businesses as well. So I hope you're able to take a step back and take a few moments to think about who's in your community, how you are serving them, both the paying customers and those who are just cheering you on from the sidelines. We still have a long road ahead of us as far as recovery with the economy and getting our businesses back on the road. So we need everybody that we possibly can around us. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. Check out our show notes for those discount codes and get connected with them today. Megan and I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking the time out of your days to listen to us, to give feedback, to give input, and to give show and topic ideas as well. It really means a lot to be connected to you, members of our community as well. And thank you for letting us be a part of yours. We hope you have a wonderful weekend and we'll be back again soon.